Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Six. And Father, in this episode, I, I want to kind of continue that thought of becoming more in touch with ourselves, with, with our sensory parts of us, the imaginative side, the I can see things. And one of the elements that people have said, and I think it's it's wrong that, that I've read in, in these various books and papers, is that your logical side does so much more than, than, than your creative side. And I backed up and said, no, that, that, that can't be true because your creative side's in charge of your senses. And I just remember when I went from having, I'm going to get the number wrong, so I apologize, like a 480 uh, pixelated screen to the, the original 720 HD and just how much crisper it got. But it still wasn't the same, which makes me think that my human eye is like some unfathomable number that we're not even getting to. And I bring this up as a starting point, not to say how magical my vision is or anything. It's certainly not what I'm saying. But what I'm starting to say is all of vision, all of our senses are directly figured out by contrast to something else. I can tell the cross in your background because it's in contrast to the color of the wall in which it's hanging on, for instance. And I can hear a sound because it's different than the silence that is around it. Um, so I'm using that as kind of my starting thought process here. And it gets me into naturally thinking about how we develop into either or situations, which I'm personally not a fan of due to the conversation we had last time. They're limited. Whenever we have many options opposed to two, it's, it's, it's a better scenario. So where I'm trying to get with this is that People have known this basic construct I'm describing here for a very long time, probably since before the Bible. And when we look at the analogies and the descriptions that are given throughout the Bible, almost all of them are are in stark contrast to what life is. You know, obviously the creation story is littered with it. But in the New Testament, you you see all over the place things that are so in contrast from ordinary life, at least my ordinary life, things like possession or just you sin, so I'm going to kill you now, Um, and, and things like that, that I think it can be very difficult to grasp because to have contrast, you have to have a starting point. Um, You know, I can, again, I can tell that crossing your background because I know the starting point of the color of the wall and that the cross is a different color. So I bring this to kind of be an invitation of how we can get ourselves more rooted into what the teachings of the gospel are, the Bible, but particularly the gospel are, by knowing some more of the anchor points that the contrast is really to show. And I get that that's kind of really super open-ended, but it's also the Bible is super, super large. I don't want to go to one point and just, you know, talk about that. Um, and But I think you understand what I'm saying here is that the more we can know about the starting point, the more we can understand, whoa, 
this really is crazy different rather than just trying to grasp, for instance, what the death on the cross was and what it means without having context to the rest of the situation. So that that's what I'm trying to get to in this episode. I hope that I, that I didn't ramble and lose people, but I hope that it makes sense to your father. Um, and I'm going to just try and let you course correct me a little bit okay. to see uh how i track that the uh um i i like to come back to the meeting point which is sort of the opposite of what you're asking but maybe we can move out from there but okay. the uh the the meeting point is is love love which is based on uh which leads to a communion of persons which requires vulnerability, uh, trust, self-revelation, intimacy. And because that's the pattern in God himself. And so that's also the pattern that um, is, is pressed into creation and particularly into us who are made in his image and likeness. When sin enters in, which is a rupture of distrust, which creates woundedness and shame, and it transforms what was uh, a transparency, a kind of original nakedness in the language of Genesis into uh, now the experience of vulnerability where I know I can get hurt and so I hide myself, then that creates all of the other weird structures that are happening uh, where there is separation and tribalism, there's uh, war and unwillingness to, to listen, to know each other. Uh, all of those things flow into creation. There's, there's lots of rupture and separation and destruction and distance that's, uh, that's happening. And so then the path of healing is a path of, uh, a path of love, which needs to be constructed piece by piece. And so what we see across salvation history is God entering into the fray to increasing degrees. Um, he, he enters into it in a covenant with Noah, and then he enters into it in a covenant with Abram, and then he enters into it in a covenant with Moses. And each time he's revealing a little bit more of himself. And so I think it helps to look at the law in that way, for example, we often look at the law and think, oh, it's a bunch of rules. God is a bunch of rules. You know, my dad had a bunch of rules and God has a bunch of rules and it must be about the same thing. Um, well, the law is ultimately the self-revelation of God. It's God really sharing the patterns of his heart because the rules are about how to love and it's establishing at least the expectations of justice on which you can then develop love. And of course, even before uh, Moses and the law, it was already Abram. And God was establishing a relationship with, with Abram, then Abraham, um, who was renamed Abraham, and then uh, the sons of Abraham. And he had some rules around that, too. He guided the process of who they could marry. And um, there, were, there were some things that took place in the context of that relationship. And then as you know, we get the prophets entering in after the law of Moses, it's to remind us that those rules which are directing us to love um, are not being followed. And when we don't love well, 
well, we repeat the original sin. We repeat what happened in the in in the garden, and we lead to rupture and distance and violence and destruction and things fall apart. And so God is trying to like help us piece these things together throughout salvation history, and help us understand how to love better and the consequences of loving badly and the joys of loving well, and. Uh, and ultimately, he's trying to repair a trust which requires totality. Normally, we move towards things a little bit at a time, uh, and and we grow in trust. But there's a point at which we need to like just totally trust and give everything, and we don't get there without a lot of help. And so then he enters in in Jesus Christ in order to repair everything, to love in that total way, in that radical gift to to raise the standard and to make it possible for us also to enter into that. And so that's, you know, that's the stuff that's being seen there. And then that gets played out and the spread throughout the church and the acts of the apostles and and so forth. So it's kind of the pathway of salvation history. Um, so the our our experience is basically we we deal with a lot of the fallout from failure to love. And we're not really convinced that it's a good idea. Although at the same time, we don't want to live life without it. And so we tend to find very narrow categories in which we have a combination of control and a little bit of trust. And then we sort of love in those narrow spaces. And uh, the contrast of that is the love of Jesus Christ, which is total and universal. And that's where he's trying to uh, expand us beyond our uh, controlled little spaces into something that's startling in its contrast with how we normally live. We're, we're normally trying to make life a little bit better for ourselves in this very small realm. Uh, Jesus is trying to help us to move towards heaven, which is a communion of persons with everyone and requires a much more expansion of of trust, of uh, of trustworthiness, of of intimacy, of relationships, of an expansion of love, and so um, anyway, those are those are some moving pieces. I think I talked around what you were describing, so maybe you can take some of that and and uh, press me into a place. Well, I, I think you you gave the the perfect example and, and built it up very well. Is that the ultimate contrast? I mean the the crux of the faith the crux of the gospel is jesus um particularly his resurrection right so that's the totality of love in contrast to our fears certainly part of it of loving in narrow spaces and and i think that that is possibly the 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 most challenging difficult part of of the faith um is being able to to grasp that and that's kind of why I wanted to have this episode after the one we just had about letting go of logic to a degree and embracing what it means. Because as you said so well in the last episode, the more we build up logic, we also build up our ability to suppress love. I mean, as lack of a better way to say that. And to explore that mystery of what would it mean to open up my narrow pathways of love, as you put it, and to expand it, each of us are going to have a different answer of what would that look like. And as a result, we all would have a different answer of how. 
But one thing that's apparent, and we've discussed this many times, is the why is essentially the same for all of us. As you said, it's to be in communion, not just with all persons, but also with God. And in doing so, that is the the greatest way. And there's going to be people that hear that and say, well, then if, if that's the case, I'm just supposed to be nice and loving to all people. Why do I need to be part of an, an organized religion? You know, I can just go through and be nice and, you know, you know, go through life and, and just generally not be evil, um, you know, not do what, what, what we call sinning. Why do I need to be a part of the communion confession in the other sacraments? I get that that might be a little bit of a turn, but I, but I think that, that you get where I'm flowing with this. Yeah, I think uh, just to follow on our last episode, as one point that you made, uh, logic does not get you to love. (laughs) And so what's safe in the left brain um, can get you some steps forward. You can think through your way. You can think your way through certain things, but ultimately there needs to be a leap of trust, uh, a, a leap of vulnerability. And, and love takes us beyond where logic can reach. The heart has reasons that reason does not know, as Pascal famously said. So uh, we have to move in that direction. And uh, yes, well, why, why, uh, why do we need Jesus, I suppose, is, uh, you know, when you say, why do we need this religion or the aspects of this religion? Um, yeah, what do, we, what do we get in that? Well, first of all, we, we wouldn't have come up with this on our own. Uh, so logic didn't get us there. And we do need Jesus to get us there. Uh, he comes to give us the example. He also comes to empower us. We, we take for granted how much we become locked up in the wounds of failed love. We all bear them. We've all been betrayed, neglected, abandoned. We've all been hurt in different ways. And, and how do we heal out of those places? The more that we are hiding, defended, and locked in, um, then the less we're able to make the bonds of love which are necessary in order to keep growing towards that fullness of love. No, no society in history ever conceived of the possibility of really universal love, that there could be a communion of persons between all persons, uh, which is our vision of heaven, which we see realized in Christ. He is the one who makes all of that open to us. So, so his grace, his love to initiate a process, to start the chain reaction, you might say, the totality and universality of his love is a necessary starting point. And it's the necessary point of renewal as we make our own efforts and we need the love of another to continue working in us and through us. And so the constant presence of Christ, and then you know, how do we experience that constant presence? Well, ultimately through faith, but that uh, becomes substantial, concrete in the sacraments in a particular way. Well, at least I get it there. You know, at least I have a concrete encounter with him there. At least I receive the logic of the gospel there. At least I receive healing from my sins in the sacrament of confession. All of that is not meant to be reduced to the sacraments as if that's the only place I receive those things, but that's the concrete fount of uh, of grace that we keep drawing from and then we carry that into every moment of our lives in order to live in this 
uh, shocking way, this startling way of, of loving as Christ loves, which is the new commandment he gives us at the Last Supper, when he is essentially anticipating, already uh, playing out in advance the very passion and death that he goes through starting from that night and continues to renew that for us in the Eucharist. But uh, when he says, love one another as I love you, um, he's talking about even in a crucified way. So uh, it's, yeah, we're not doing that without Christianity. We're not doing that without Christ. We're not doing that without the sacraments. I mean, we're just not going to get there. We need the constant inflow of that love in order to heal us and empower us and keep us moving forward in loving in that way. And, and to bring this full circle here, to point out, to see the contrast make, makes things easier to witness and be a part of. It's easier to see when things are in greater contrast. That's the example I gave of going to the HD TV from the old one. And what I invite people to recognize is the time that you are spending at mass, at a sacrament, becoming closer to God is in contrast to other times of your life. It, it, it's a fact. It, it, it's yes, you're still using your same senses. You still are smelling, seeing all that. But that time of a mass, of a rosary, whatever the, the moment that you're doing to, to become closer to God is a distinct contrast. And I think the better that all of us get at recognizing that, the more powerful and beautiful the experience will become. So I wanted to leave that as kind of the, the final thought for this episode here. We thank everyone for being with us, for helping us grow immensely. And if you haven't already, please leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to it. It helps immensely. Thank you all. We'll be with you next week.